0: the Foggy Bottom Twins over here. Foggy Bottom? You know, isn't that from... What's foggy that fucking... Foggy coin? Bottom Boys? Foggy Bottom Boys. Yeah. From Oh
1: Brother Where Art Thou? Is yeah. that what that is?
0: Yeah. I it was
1: soggy. <laughs> it might be soggy Bottom Boys. <laughs>
0: it's like, no, I think it's foggy. Oh, shit. Foggy Someone look was. it up. No. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> is it soggy? <laughs> well, I'm... It is soggy. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> I'm re. No, I'm just christening you something different. Are you a good witch? Or a bad bitch? I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if this naughty to ruse your list, shake your shoulders, shake your hips. and let a lady confess I wanna be bad
1: i didn't kid you did i well now you know hannah hi
0: <laughs> hi deanna
1: how are you i'm groggy <laughs> it's a weird day it's a weird day it's we see that a lot we don't need to quantify anything it's all good i'm uh, here and i'm i am excited to be here even though it's kind of a foggy day
0: well because we've got some cool people to talk about we sure do it's still pride so you <laughs> yeah. know pride month <laughs> So, which I
1: think uh, when this episode airs, no, I think Pride Month is like, or Pride Weekend is like the last weekend in June. Yes. Um, Here. We just, uh, Pride in Denver just happened. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Yep.
0: Yeah. There's been a couple. There was, um, somebody shared a guy's post on Facebook. I think it was, I think that's where it was. He is a father. And went to the Pittsburgh Pride, I think, with the oh, shirt. Oh, the guy who
1: gives the hugs. Yes, and
0: he's a dad who gives free dad hugs. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was obviously, of course, a very emotional post because there are lots of people whose families, oh, like, just say goodbye
1: and kick them out it and they It upsets me lost. that that shit still happens, you know? Well, it's sad. Because like it, we get progressively better and better in many ways, like many people are more accepting than they used to be in places that you would be surprised. Um, and you know, there are churches now who, who stand outside with signs at pride festivals that are like, we're sorry if you felt, you know, excluded by a church. You belong here. We, and you know.
0: Mm. Uh, that, uh, God damn it, that
1: just. Yeah, but then in many ways, it's like people's families still <laughs> kick them out. I don't know. It's weird because I remember I, there was like a, a a coworker of mine years and years and years and years and years, and years ago um, who she like made some comment once that was like slightly homophobic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just gave her a look because it, it was like in reference to her son. Because um, it was basically a comment that the whole subtext and undercurrent of, of it was, I don't want my son to be gay, right? And I was like, well, that's kind of not cool to say about gay people. And she was like, well, I don't have a problem with gay people. I just don't want my son to be one. And I was like, then that means you have a problem with gay people. (laughs) Yeah, that's what that means. (laughs) And she just kind of looked at me blank eyed and I was like, Please reflect. Yeah. Well that's the most sinister thing about it is is
0: like so many people use that rhetoric of like, Well, I believe in Jesus and I love Jesus and, and Jesus doesn't like He Jesus thinks that this is a sin and I'm doing you a favor. Somehow, or I don't want you tarnishing my like chances of getting into heaven or something. I don't know. I don't yeah. really know, but who it's fucking like knows, it's a yeah. super sinister thing because Christianity is supposed to be a religion that is accepting and loving and blah blah blah. Well, Jesus certainly seemed to be that way, Jesus certainly seemed to be that way, and obviously, there's plenty of Christians and churches who feel that way, yeah, as you just <laughs> stated, but um, but it is uh. It's interesting how people can justify that to themselves.
1: Yeah. You know, using things like religion. Well, especially because if you want to literally bring Jesus into it, I really don't think there's ever once that Jesus talks about gay people. Um, I think that's just Old Testament shit. And that's, that's, (laughs) that's not like Jesus came along and then the New Testament happened. So. Like, I don't. Yep. It's weird. It's just weird. It's weird and it's sad and it's very sinister and
0: gross. And I'm I'm glad that there are people going to Pride and trying to help some of those displaced young queer people feel better, at least for a fucking minute.
1: And it makes me feel, like, <gasps> in- incredibly lucky um, to, to be, you know, in the open-minded family that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Which, you know. Yeah. No, yeah, because it makes all the difference. Like, I don't I have to. I, my mom listens to this. And so we'll, maybe. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> uh, I remember her telling me when I was five. And like, I don't know what premeditated this. Like, something must have happened. I remember we were driving in the car. And this is in Texas in the 90s. And she turned to me when I was five and said, if you Deanna, if you like girls the way a lot of boys like girls, that's OK. And I was like, what? Because oh. I was five. I didn't even know that boys and girls liked each other in any particular way <laughs> or, you know, You're girls like, well, and girls what the or fuck? boys and boys. But I always knew in my teenage years, even before I realized kind of the extent of my Queerness or whatever, um, that it would not be a problem. Yeah, if you know. Ugh. And it kind of makes me wish I were gayer than I am because. <laughs> oh no, you haven't. are valid, Diana. I know, that's true.
0: <laughs> Just the way you are. Thanks,
1: Hannah. Um, but anyway, we've yeah gone down a path. I know we've gone on a little a little ways, but to,
0: to that end, it's still Pride Month, and so. We are kind of, you know, theming our our people and some of our some of our intros to that. And in that vein, I kind of I mean, plenty of you may have already seen this, but I thought it was worth talking about (laughs) Um, Jonathan Van Ness did an uh, interview with Out.com and Jonathan Van Ness of Queer Eye Jonathan Van Ness of Queer Eye and came out as non-binary. I mean, I came out, you know, I think he probably didn't see it that way, but to the general public, I don't think he's ever talked about it. Not, yeah, I don't think he's ever stated explicitly. Right. And so this was kind of the first time that we've heard him say that and talk about that. And uh, and so I kind of wanted to read just a little bit from this article because yeah. it, it's just got some good Good nuggets.
1: And it's cute. And I mean, <clears throat> any excuse to talk about Jonathan Van Ness is, I know. is a good excuse in my book because he's just the most angelic of beings.
0: <laughs> he is. He's just such a light. He's just like <laughs> the most glittery, magical person. So the out article starts. Jonathan Van Ness gets his nails done, quote, literally every week. When he's on tour or traveling, he stipulates that he isn't always able to keep his nails up, but outside of that, he is really pretty serious about keeping a tight manicure weekly and changing up his colors, too. To him, it's an act of self-care, an hour he can just take for himself in the midst of a busy week. Though Van Ness never had to come out of the closet, the beating heart of Queer Eye did get his fair share of bullying growing up as a kid. He jokes that people, quote, chased around with torches and pitchforks, telling stories of kids who would scream, quote, faggot in the hallways or push him down the stairs for his feminine behavior. Baby. That's why his new partnership with Essie Nail Polish, which is amazing, showcasing the ultimate look through a pride themed manicure is meant to encourage fans to own their individuality and express themselves however the heck they want to mm-hmm. actually I saw an ad for an uh, urban decay like palette or something mm-hmm. that is also awesome and they had they used primarily I think non binary and transgender models Oh, cool! for their this like super glittery gorgeous eyeshadow and it's just really mm-hmm. quite a lovely ad anyway um, Let's see. Essie is also supporting world pride through multiple queer act activations. That's a weird word to use there, <laughs> including <laughs> offering manicures at the Ali Forney centers, annual prom event and sampling product at LGBTQ events throughout the month of June. Vanessa's oeuvre as a high femme queen is the power of this campaign, blah, blah, blah. So they went and talked to him um, out, went and talked to him. So how are you feeling so are you feeling ready for Pride? I feel like I'm still catching up on sleep from last year's Pride. Totally, he says. Are we ever ready? I'm so ready for Pride. I love being able to celebrate it, and I love all the fun. But I also feel like Pride is a great opportunity for all of us to like not only celebrate ourselves, but also bring new people into the fold of allyship and into the fold of awareness. God
1: damn it. I love him. I know.
0: The people that were really excited to get away from when you moved out of your hometown. Like when you see them next or on Facebook, reach out and make some contact with folks that may not look the way you look or act the way you act. Let people celebrate you that are maybe not in your community. How do you feel about being a spokesperson for a brand that is predominantly marketed toward women? He says, it's really cool. The older I get, the more I think that I'm non-binary. I'm gender non-conforming. Like some days I feel like a man, but then other days I feel like a woman. I don't really... Uh, I think my energies are really all over the place. And any opportunity I have to break down stereotypes of the binary, I'm here for it. I think that a lot of times gender is used to separate and divide. It's the social construct that I don't really feel like I fit into the way I used to. I always used to think, oh, I'm a gay man. But I think any way I can let little boys and little girls know that they can express themselves and they can, like, be, like... Making iconic partnerships with brands like Essie, no matter how they present, is really important oh, and exciting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh huh. We're working them in. Working it in. Working Real it in. Real smooth, JVN.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Right, says Out. It's about visibility to them. So what does visibility mean to you? It's essentially your entire job. And Jonathan says, I definitely had will and grace, and I had queer as folk to look up to when growing up. But social media has changed so much in terms of visibility. I just want to show people that you can change your circumstances. You can make your own lane. Uh, to that effect, Out asks or says, one of the reasons I love your work is that in addition to being very publicly queer, you are very publicly femme, like the femiest femme, 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 femme. <laughs> what is your relationship to your feminine identity? He says, I like my feminine identity. I feel like my feminine identity is what makes me the strongest. All of the people that uh, I look up to the most, that I want to emulate the most, are 90% women. The people who shaped me the most was my mom, my grandma. It's Gloria, Celine, Aretha, Shania, Mariah. Did you just say Selena? (laughs) Did you just say Selena? I know that that's what the interviewer asked. Is the label of non-binary one you've come into recently? Jonathan says, well, no. (laughs) I just didn't know what the name was. I've been wearing heels and wearing makeup and wearing skirts and stuff for a minute, honey. I just like didn't know what that meant that it had a title. The interviewer says you touched on femme shaming earlier in life. How do you deal with it now? And he says there's a lot of it within our community and either well, it's getting still. better. Yeah. Either it's getting better or I just don't care as much <laughs> within our own community. We need to be more sensitive and kind to each other. Just not uh, be like a nightmare on the apps. And instead be two people in your faces just being kind and gorgeous. <laughs> but it's from the other side, too. Comments come from everywhere. But I really feel like if you're expressing yourself and that's what you really feel, then I don't care. I'm just being who I want to be. So I'm going to leave it there because there's a couple other, you know, questions. But it's, that seemed like a good place
1: to kind of cap it. Being who you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's who he wants to be. I mean, it makes sense. And those of us who have watched every episode of Queer Eye, when you read that headline, are like, "Well, okay, yeah, <laughs> not surprised." Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and what I was saying to you, I think, after after you and I both read this initially, was just like how nice it is to see somebody who identifies as non-binary in the public eye, being watched by people who might not know what that is or what that means. Yeah and how that presents mm-hmm. and obviously it's still different for everybody who feels that way mm-hmm. but I just I, I like that it's not just oh well here's this flamboyant gay man and that's just that like he said he, he it was always a little bit more and now he's been able to come to terms with that and put a
1: label on it and put
0: a label on it or at least figure it out a little bit more yeah and that means that the public can figure it out a little bit more too and not just be like oh well that's just like what what some gay men are like because it's really it's so many people so yeah
1: yeah yeah man yay jonathan yay jonathan yay pride and i think it's good to see like what different types of people who are non-binary, because I think that sometimes you say that word and you're like, you think of a particular type of person, like obviously because Jonathan usually has facial hair, you can go, oh, man. Yep. And, and you know, he's able to be like, well, kinda. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I know that there are people who would argue
0: that non-binary and gender non-conforming are two different things. They can be, but I think that they can often overlap. I think like there are a lot of people in the non-binary community that think that non-binary people are very strictly like they are transgender, which was a surprise to me as I was researching some of these labels. Mm -hmm. And I don't know enough to really like make a comment on it. But I think that I just think it's. I don't know. It's interesting to kind of hear the way people label themselves, and
1: yes, all and of that. that's actually like the absolute perfect segue into my person oh. this week. Oh, um, specifically that. And all right, the, and the terminology and how people label themselves and how it quickly changes constantly, because um, the the person I want to talk about this week kind of helped develop a lot of the language for gender study stuff that we use today. Oh shit, um, and. Uh, and she uh, considered herself to be transgender. But I think in many ways, when we would look at her, we would think of her as non-binary or gender non-conforming. Oh. But she said that that's the same, like that makes her transgender then. Right. Yes. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch?
0: Let us know by becoming a patron on on our our Patreon. Oh,
1: no. Patreon is a service that helps content creators like ourselves keep the ship going and make sure that we're able to cover all the costs that uh, come along with doing our podcast. And the
0: more patrons we get, hopefully, the more content we can start creating exclusively for patrons. Yes. So if you are interested in something like that, please become a
1: patron. So that we can start creating that content for you. Also, when you become a patron, you will get a shout out on our podcast. And we will thank you personally on air. How exciting is
0: that? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can find us at patreon.com slash GWBB podcast.
1: I wanted to talk about this person uh, because when I was in college, I took a gender studies writing class. And read a. Did you really? I did. Damn. And I read a really amazing, heartbreaking, honest book called Stone Butch Blues. Ooh. Which was written by Leslie Feinberg. And uh, Leslie, her life was very similar to the character, uh, the protagonist of the novel, but she always said, you know, this is a fiction story written by a person who lived the nonfiction. Mm. So she was hesitant to say it was autobiographical, but yeah. um, her face is on, like, the cover these days. Like, that's the face of the book. Wow. So have you heard of Leslie Feinberg?
0: The name is actually familiar, but I maybe, I probably won't know why until you get into it. Awesome. If if I am right.
1: Awesome. Um, and I do want to, I want to have, like, a very uh, frank opening disclaimer moment here because (laughs) the way leslie talks about gender and um her pronouns and things like that um it can be very complicated um Hmm. but i made a choice to try and consistently use she her pronouns in my telling of this because she did say those were acceptable pronouns for her um, but she had multiple that she liked Oh, um, but I so I'm going to open with a quote of hers and then a quote from her uh, wife about her to kind of help give that w- what the reasoning. Okay. is. OK. OK, so Feinberg stated in a 2006 interview, her preferred pronouns varied depending on context. Oh, quote, for me, pronouns are always placed within context. I am female bodied. I am a butch lesbian a transgender lesbian, referring to me as she, her is appropriate, particularly in a non-trans setting in which referring to me as he would appear to resolve the social contradiction between my birth sex and gender expression because it would render my transgender expression invisible. Whoa. Which, to cut into that, just basically means she is very, 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 very masculine presenting. So, using he, him pronouns erases the fact that she is female-bodied and identifies as female-bodied.
0: Hmm. So then you don't. So
1: in using she, her pronouns in a non-trans setting, I believe what she means is that people will go, oh, she, she, her. Oh, oh. Instead of being like, oh, okay, that's yeah, that's a man. Instead of, oh, that's a very butch woman. Right. Continuing with the quote. uh, I also like the gender neutral pronoun Z, her, H-I-R because it makes it impossible to hold on to gender, sex, sexuality assumptions about a person you're about to meet or you've just met. And in an all trans setting, referring to me as he, him honors my gender expression in the same way that referring to my sister drag queens as she, her does. Wow. Wow. So so it's very complicated. It is very complicated. Um, there were some, like, fewer articles that referred to her as Z-Her Um, and, but most of them, you, she, her, and I feel like, I mean, I may be being presumptuous here, but I feel like, obviously, this room is a non-trans setting, Mm -hmm. and I feel like our listenership is a non-trans setting, so I kind of want to honor that. All right. Yeah.
0: I think that would be appreciated.
1: Yeah. Not all our listenership, I'm sure, but. Right. Anyway. Um, additionally, Feinberg's widow wrote in her statement regarding her death that Feinberg did not really care which pronouns people used to address her. And this is the really important thing to me. Um, quote, she preferred to use the pronouns Z, she, and her, her for herself, but also she said, quote, I care about which pronoun is used, but people have been respectful to me with the wrong pronoun and disrespectful with the right one. It -hmm. matters whether someone is using the pronoun as a bigot or if they are trying to demonstrate respect. So, yep yep moving forward knowing that this is i'm i respect this woman and (laughs) i um am holding her up as a person worth discussing yes um i'm going to refer to her as she her pronouns for the sake of uh continuity and clarity throughout this podcast all
0: right trying trying to be sensitive done and done okay thoughtful damn girl okay
1: Damn. But I figured because it's very complicated and 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 Leslie Feinberg herself kind of pioneered much of this language. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well okay. yeah, okay. I mean very clearly she was familiar with it in a way that I think most of us in a general context are not.
1: Correct. So Uh, Feinberg described herself as, quote, an anti-racist, white, working class, secular Jewish, transgender, lesbian, female, revolutionary communist.
0: Whoa, girl.
1: (laughs) A lot of things. Um, her writing laid the groundwork for much of the terminology and awareness around gender studies and was instrumental in bringing these issues to a more mainstream audience. Damn. She was born in Kansas City, Missouri, and raised in Buffalo, New York in a working class Jewish family. Coming of age in a, as a gender nonconforming person in Buffalo, New York during the uh, 1950s and 60s was not easy. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: she was harassed simply for walking down the street as a butch lesbian and a masculine woman. Uh, her family apparently wasn't accepting of her sexuality or gender nonconformity. And as a result, she dropped out of school at the age of 14, worked various low wage jobs to support herself, though um, apparently she did end up officially receiving a high school diploma. Even though she dropped oh, out I don't yeah. know how It just Everything said that She officially received one I'm like okay Okay um, So when she was 14 She started working uh, At a display sign shop At a local department store She washed dishes Cleaned cargo ships Worked as an ASL interpreter Input medical data And worked as a P- At a PVC pipe factory And book bindery Jesus <laughs> So um, All of this is to say Because she's very intersectional Like She Like conflated obviously um a lot of the aspects of being gender non-conforming and being working class and how some of those struggles are frequently the same like very blue right. collar she is was yeah yeah so um and it was uh in her teenage years that she entered buffalo's gay social scene which like many other mid-20th century american cities consisted primarily of bars oh uh, mm-hmm <laughs> Buffalo's lesbian bars, which were surprisingly plentiful in number.
0: (laughs) Really? (laughs) In the
1: 60s. Okay. um, Were both a space of community and source of terror for Leslie. Oh. Despite Buffalo's racial segregation along east and west sides of the city, gay and drag bars hosted a mixed crowd of working class white people, African Americans, Latinos, and Haudenosaunee, which is um, the actual tribal name for uh, Iroquois. Whoa. Natives, okay. Because Iroquois is uh, a word given to them by the French, a name that white people gave them. But they're Duh. Haudenosaunee. Wow. Haudenosaunee. Whoa. Yeah. So um, I, I think that uh, aspect about um, being a source of terror for her, too, also had to, be with the fact, uh, had to do with the fact of her being very butch. Right. Um, right. There's still
0: this expectation going into spaces mm-hmm. or potential for expectation. Um, that you might not be able to fill. Right.
1: The harassment and physical and sexual violence gay and gender nonconforming Buffalonians faced at the hands of the police was little different from the actions that precipitated the 1966 Compton's Cafeteria Riot in San Francisco's Tenderloin District or the much mythologized Stonewall Riots of 1969. Mm. Quote, when I heard about Stonewall, Leslie said, I was mad I missed it because I was ready to fight. (laughs) Oh my God, yeah. Because she would have been about 20 at
0: the time. She was born in 49. Damn. Yeah. So if she had just been a little bit south. Yep. She would have been there. She probably would
1: have been there. Um, These early experiences shaped Feinberg's first and most celebrated book, the novel Stone Butch Blues, Mm. which was published in 1993 by Firebrand Books. Um, Firebrand was founded in Ithaca, New York, and it published literary fiction, poetry, and nonfiction with lesbian and feminism themes between 1984 and 2000. The press was established as part of the rise in small press, feminist, and gay publishing in the wake of the gay rights and second wave women's movements. So a uh, little quick blurb about Butch Blues. It recounts the story of Jess Goldberg, a so-called he-she, uh, hmm. from a working-class background who, like Feinberg herself, comes of age in Buffalo. Despite similarities to her own biography, she insisted the novel was a work of fiction and not autobiographical. Um, she wrote in the first uh, person to avoid complexities posed by Jess's pronouns throughout the course of the story. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, uh huh. So, Jess, who initially identifies as a butch lesbian, faces hostility from straight society and within her own community. After uncomfortably straddling the gender binary for most of her life, uh, she transitions to live full time as a man, Jesse, and takes testosterone. Uh, Jesse becomes involved in union organizing and the novel con- connects gay and trans rights to anti-capitalist struggle. Hmm. Jesse, however, is accused by some lesbian feminists of masculinizing himself only to escape the oppression of living as a woman. Oh, for the love of Jess slash, uh, slash Jesse feels that though passing as a man allows her to be seen as a person and not a freak, it also erases her queerness and her history. Whoa, hmm. It's only after Jess moves to New York City and becomes involved in activism that she realizes she can live outside the gender binary with legitimacy. Okay. Uh, Stone Butch Blues, which won multiple literary awards, is regarded as one of the most accurate and complex fictional portrayals of a transgender person. So yeah, it's like uh, the character uh, when uh, Jess moves to New York, stops taking testosterone, then stops passing as a man Mm -hmm. again, but then realizes that that's okay. Um, and uh, Leslie Feinberg experienced uh, a lot of that same stuff. I'm not sure if she ever took testosterone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of hard to figure out. Um,
0: I did want to ask, just to clarify, she, the character, stopped taking testosterone and stopped passing, and felt like it was
1: fine that
0: she was no longer passing.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, because she realized when she was in Buffalo and in primarily working class you know jobs like factory jobs right that she would be harassed for being gender non-conforming and so felt that finally um when she started passing as a dude and started going as a dude that she could enter those spaces without being judged right um, uh, but then you know in her community was regarded somehow as like Now you're a man, so you're no longer a lesbian. Right. And, oh, that's what I was going to say, is that I think that even though Leslie Feinberg considered herself uh, to be transgender, um, she, she, her biggest identity was that of a lesbian. Right. And she never wanted to lose that. Right. So.
0: Yeah, those are, that's hard. It's, uh, because, because. Especially when when you've been involved in those in those communities and they've helped you find a place of acceptance, mm-hmm. it can be very very difficult to be like, okay, now I am going to transition into a body that means, at least in society, that that identity is like invalidated in some way. Yeah, and I that it's it all sounds very political like within within those communities in a way that i don't necessarily understand and can't can't possibly understand because i've never been entrenched in them Mm -hmm. but i don't know it it is it's it's interesting to think about like this idea that you sort of give up one identity in order to make way for another and which one do you find more important
1: you know, well, I mean, to me, it kind of harkens back to uh, Christine Jorgensen weeks ago, where she never wanted to admit it to herself or to anyone that she was a gay man, even though she, when she was male-bodied, was attracted to men because she knew that wasn't her identity. Right. But it's like with Leslie Feinberg it, and and Jess Goldberg in the book, it's kind of the opposite thing, yeah. where if you can pass as a man in spaces, you are therefore safer, but then you've lost what you truly feel you are, which is a lesbian. So interesting. Um, wow. Yeah. They, but there's Ugh. like one scene that, uh, or one part of the book that like jumped out at me. It was after Jess uh, transitioned um, and was living as a man and uh, was going on a date with this waitress that he met. And... um the waitress had no idea um, that, you know, Jess was a trans person. Right. And um, they had sex and it was like in the dark, but Jess was able to like put on a strap on when she didn't notice. Wow. But then they, w- they went to like some barbecue and this woman started making homophobic remarks about other people. And Jess was like, well, this is, I can't, there's no way this is going to go anywhere good. No. Yeah. So I think that was part of the, the catalyst in her realizing that She felt safer ultimately in her community. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's a really good book. Part, it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that deserve trigger warning. There's a lot of sexual violence and um, just violence, violence perpetrated against um, uh, the LGBTQ community. Um, So I'll just say that for anybody. Yeah. Proceed with caution. Proceed with caution. But it is uh, a very monumental um, work.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, especially, what was it, 1993,
1: you Mm said? Yeah. Damn, yeah. And, you know, the time period it was taking place was even earlier than that. Right. Um, So, Leslie Feinberg also wrote several works of nonfiction that brought knowledge of transgender people, issues, and language into mainstream awareness. Uh, She, along with fellow writer-activists Kate Bornstein, Holly Boswell, and Ricky Wilchins, Wilchins. Is credited with popularizing the term transgender during the 1990s. Mm, Yeah,
0: that's that's something that came up a lot in mine was like people not having a word
1: for it. Yeah, or you know, early in in the mid 1900s, it was transsexual, and there are still people today who consider themselves to be transsexual, even though it's not right the the quote unquote politically correct term to use. But for some people, they choose that as their identity. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, the activist Virginia Prince first used transgender, the word, in the 1970s to describe persons like herself who identified and lived as women full time, but did not desire to surgically transition. Mm-hmm. In Transgender Warriors, Feinberg's historical study of gender nonconforming identities across t- cultures and time, she expansively defines transgender as all people who cross the cultural boundaries of gender. Hence, My earlier comment about gender nonconforming and non-binary, which I don't think were terms that were popularized until much more recently. Yes. Even in the 90s, that wasn't something that was used in the mainstream of, you know, the fringe of society still. But, you know. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Uh, Feinberg is also credited with forwarding the first Marxist understanding of transgender liberation, defining transgender people as a distinctly oppressed class. Oh. She conceptualized transgender identity so broadly, uh, so broadly for the time, and helped build a coalition of gender variant people following transphobic attacks, such as the murder of trans man Brandon Tina in Lincoln, Nebraska, in 1994. Uh, The term also brought awareness to the fact that while mid 20th century feminist and gay activists had been successful in securing rights for women and sexual minorities, they were not as committed to dismantling binary notions of gender, sexuality and identity, which resulted in the marginalization of trans and gender nonconforming people within the gay and feminist movements. Yes. Yeah. Feinberg uh, was also a leader of the Workers' World Party which was an independent Marxist-Leninist political party <laughs> and served as the managing editor of its newsletter, um, which is a very complicated, interesting part of her story because I looked into this party and it split from, like, the Socialist w- Workers' Party or whatever okay, because the world, uh, Workers' World Party, which still exists today, I will say, oh. um, supported um, Chairman Mao, uh, they actively are supporters of the North Korean government
0: oh. because they
1: think that it's it's, it's a communist. communist thing. So yikes! Okay. So there's a lot of like Some problematic.
0: But, yeah, shit. In so
1: there? It, I thought that was interesting that it's because she I think because she came from such a you know working class background that this became where she found her home when as soon as she identified yeah you know transgendered people and as an oppressed class and then realize the connections to communism and yeah
0: stuff like that. and what year did you say that was the world that she joined their staff or oh okay
1: i mean she was she was like a leader in their in their um party i think from the, the 90s on but i think she okay. joined earlier than that in the 90s <laughs> wow ah uh, um yeah beginning mm. in 2004 she wrote a, a workers world party column Entitled Lavender and Red that ran for a total of 120 installments and connected the American gay rights movement to socialism and other global liberation struggles, which is true. um, But it's just it's it's fascinating to me. The specific party, I would not want to align myself with. We contain multitudes. We sure do. (laughs) But I will say the WWP was one of the earliest and first supporters of gay rights like yeah hard to dispute that 60s
0: hard to look at that and go you know yeah your your message is terrible so i'm not going you make me feel safe but i'm you know
1: yeah blah 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 um as part of her work with the wwp feinberg co-founded rainbow flags for Mumia. A coalition of LGBTQ organizers who on uh, April 19th of 1999 marched in support of a new trial for Mumia Abu-Jamal, a death row inmate Mm. who in 1981 was sentenced to death for allegedly shooting a Philly police officer. Um, Jamal, who has maintained his innocence, was a former member of the Black Panther Party and a reporter uh, who was known for his commentary on various social issues. So uh, in 2011, his sentence was commuted to life in prison with no chance of parole. So oh,
0: yeah, <laughs> they got I him mean, off death row. Yeah, that's something.
1: I mean, that's actually it is huge. Yeah. So um, now going back to um, like the trans exclusionary vibe in many of the gay and feminist earlier movements, yeah. um, I will say in the 1990s, uh, Leslie and her wife, lesbian poet, Minnie Bruce Pratt, um, Side note: They got married in New York and Massachusetts in 2011. Uh They um, participated in something called Camp Trans, um, which was an annual demonstration held to protest the women uh, Michigan Women's W O M Y N Michigan Women's Music Festival's exclusionary women-born women policy. The policy, which stated that only those who were born biologically female could attend the festival. And it was implemented beginning in 1991 when Nancy Burkholder, a trans woman, was ejected from the festival after refusing to disclose whether or not she was trans. Jesus
0: Christ.
1: Yeah. Which is a really gross aspect of like 1990s feminism, I think.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that so many
1: feminists still feel that way is yep. just like that turfy bullshit. That turfy bullshit. Um, so Leslie began organizing the demonstration in 99 the demonstration of camp trans for human born humans. Oh, <laughs> it was a, a sign held by Feinberg at one of the annual protests to poke fun at that festival.
0: Human born humans. H.U.M.Y.A. <laughs> H-U-M-Y. kind of love that.
1: <laughs> it's pretty much the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, beginning in the 1990s, <laughs> uh, Feinberg struggled with multiple health issues. Um, She was diagnosed with Lyme disease, which was compounded by discrimination she faced from medical professionals. She was um, terrified (sighs) of going to doctors because of her gender presentation. Yeah. Because she was, you know, mistreated enough times where it became a fear of hers. I think that's, yeah, a very common Mm -hmm. problem. She almost died from endocarditis, an infection of the heart valves, because she was refused treatment by intolerant doctors at one point, um, which is... Awful, and uh, I'm sorry, but if you want to discriminate um, on treating patients for any reason, sex, gender, sexual orientation, religion, race, class, anything, you should not be in the fucking medical field. (laughs) Yep, that's not what the Hippocratic Oath says. So anyway. Um, So uh, despite her debilitating health issues, Leslie remained a transgender warrior One of her last acts of resistance was working for the release of Cece McDonald, a transgender woman of color from Minneapolis who stabbed and killed a a white man in self-defense after he attacked her and her friends at a bar in 2012. Mm. Um, This man, I'm not even going to name him because I don't care. Yeah, fuck Um, him. He and his friends hurled homophobic, racist, and transphobic slurs at Cece and her friends. And a woman smashed a glass in her face when uh, Cece said they wouldn't tolerate the hateful language used against them. Great. So she stabbed him. Uh, (laughs) uh, But uh, Cece was the only person arrested following the altercation. Oh, right, 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 right. While protesting on the ground in Minneapolis, Leslie was able to meet with Cece in prison after she accepted a manslaughter plea to ensure a reduced sentence of 41 months. Leslie, who was working on the 20th anniversary edition of Stone Butch Blues, had the idea to dedicate the re-released edition to Cece McDonald to raise awareness of her story, to which Cece readily said yes. Though her Mm -hmm. health was tenuous due due to her late-stage Lyme disease, Leslie was arrested outside the Hennepin County Public Safety Facility, where Cece was being held after spray painting Free Cece Now on the wall of the building. (laughs) She put her life on the line uh, for Cece's unjust imprisonment. Mm. Quote, Cece McDonald survived a fascist hate crime, Feinberg said. Now she's sentenced as she struggles to survive in an ongoing state hate crime. As a white working class mm. Jewish transgender lesbian revolutionary, I will not be silent as this injustice <laughs> continues. She sounded so intense and I love it. Oh. Um, so she was released uh, after three nights uh, in jail without bond felony charges of property damage were dropped, although Leslie was recharged with a gross misdemeanor. The focus for her was never about her arrest and always about fighting against injustice. Uh, Feinberg, a warrior till the end, worked on the Stone Butch Blues 20th anniversary edition dedicated to Cece McDonald up until a few days before her death on November 15th of 2014. Allegedly, her last words were, quote, hasten the revolution. Remember me as a revolutionary communist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god yeah and we will and we sure will <laughs> um i also that's like the end of her biographical portion but there was this one um letter i found because my my sources are wikipedia com, and the jewish women's archive cool and one of the pieces on the jewish women archive uh was uh, basically um like a, a sweet eulogy. And um, I just really loved it. So I kind of want to yeah. read it and we can you know, cut any and all because it's a little long, but it's really good. Do so um, this is a eulogy written by Sasha T. Goldberg. Mm-mm. I was in an alleyway in Chicago the first time someone told me about Stone Butch Blues. You've got to read this book, she said. Stone Butch Blues. The she in question was an older femme. They always were. And the name of the book got right under my skin i can remember the feeling my ears perked up head tilted back eyes focused stone butch blues i thought okay i was 16 years old had been out since i was 14 and i had been a tomboy all my life the word and identity of butch made inherent sense to me and partially explained why my masculine old soul self, always temporally geared backwards in an era and well beyond my actual years and age, didn't exactly fit in with the contemporary gender expressions of middle of the road andro dykes and most other women at large. And then there was Leslie Feinberg. Leslie, who came from a blue collar background, spent her early life working in factories and later as a journalist and editor for Worker's World, but her lifelong work was her commitment to activism for gay and transgender rights. Her writing has been lauded and taught in both U.S. and international academic circles, and she was rightly the opening speaker at the Stonewall 25th Anniversary Rally, 25 years ago. Oh, wow. But it was her fiction, and particularly Butch Blues, that affected me and so many others on a profound level. It's not just that the main character in Butch Blues had the same Jewish last name as me, or that an old organizing photo of Leslie's beautiful, handsome, Semitic good looks graced the back cover. It's finally... That someone was writing about how I felt. Her words were my words. Her passions, my passions. Her frustrations, my frustrations. Her alienations and joys, my alienations and joys. Nearly 18 years after I first read Stone Butch Blues, I can look back and see myself in my teenage bedroom, shutting the book and being unable to proceed. Um, the first time, after Leslie describes, quote, a butch so stone she showered with a raincoat on. <laughs> Uh, I should say stone butch indicates a butch who doesn't like to be touched. Oh, so sexually she gives but doesn't receive. Hmm. So stone she showered with a raincoat on. Um, I identified so strongly with her words that it was like someone had written every devastation of my teenage heart and put it down on paper for the whole world to see. It undid me. Is it too grandiose then too twilight too hindsight to say that Leslie Feinberg saved my life? To say that reading her words about buzz cuts, white t-shirts, and sweet, caring femmes gave me hope for my entire future. What masculine girl child doesn't know the pain and cruelty of not seeing anyone who looks like an adult version of how she herself looks and feels? The first time I saw the updated cover of Stone Butch Blues, I was taking the long route home from school. School and home were both hard at the time. I passed by the window of a neighborhood bookstore, and there was Leslie. Her strong, stunning face took up the whole cover defiant proud warrior eyes looking directly into the camera right in the front window it was cold out the, po- the fall was passing and there I stood staring I couldn't stop looking and in the reflection of the glass finally literally and metaphorically I could see myself and Leslie at once I think I started to understand what I could be in that moment that I belonged to a proud tradition of butch women that there was a place for me in this world that I could grow up For the first time, I understood that I was looking at who and what I would become as an adult, and it was breathtaking. I had the pleasure of seeing Leslie speak at Northwestern University when I was 17, met and took a photo with her. Meeting her made me feel like I had Butch family. I felt like I had met a forever friend. Years later, I saw her speak at Mills College. It's not that there was so much contact. It's just that Leslie and her life were never far from my mind or my kishkas. That's guts in Yiddish, of course. (laughs) It's to the very core. I felt that I had a soul knowing, or at least was a known soul myself, with Leslie in the world. When I read that Leslie Feinberg died, I cried for the first time in a very, very long time. Crying is never my first instinct, despite understanding how healthy it is to get it out. Really, I'm just quicker to anger or critical thinking. But the sadness was so overwhelming that I cried sharply and suddenly like a wounded animal It feels like a piece of my 16-year-old heart is so broken, so totally shattered that at 33, I can't stop the childhood tears from running down my face. It's coupled with the tears of adult consciousness, too. In a world where I feel like I still fight tooth, nail, (laughs) and often in my own communities for space as a butch woman, I am just so sad for this loss. The world is somehow instantly and ferociously more lonely without her in it. It's not that I always agreed with Leslie, her politics, her read on historical identities, or that we knew each other in some ongoing mutual way. It's that I carried her with me for almost 20 years, and I'm not ready to let her go. It's that I miss her already. It's that she made my life possible, and probably yours too. It's that I'm endlessly indebted, endlessly grateful, and endlessly located in the pages and words of her book. It's that I feel I'm burying my butch woman father. Hmm. the last reported words to Leslie's lips were remember me as a radical communist and I shall but I will also remember Leslie as a lover a fighter a Jew and a gender warrior who fought her whole life for a place in this world many have suggested the very fitting blessing of rest in power but Leslie I want to wish you peace you've been powerful enough Dainu. it would have been enough it is enough at long last may you relax your shoulders let down your guard and lay down your weapons of will and heart, struggle and strife. May you exhale and may you rest in the deep peace of exhausted stone butch heroes. From one Jewish butch to another, I will remember you. I will say Kaddish for you. I will keep you in my mind and in the meditations of my heart. As you yourself have written to butches who came before, this is my butch love letter to you. Thank you, Leslie, now and evermore, for all of the ways in which we are different and all of the ways in which we are alike. I am proud to be part of your blood. Thank you for loving, enos, loving us enough to write about our lives. We will love and cherish you always. Your memory and your work are, out, are our outrageous luck and our outrageous blessing. Sasha. Oh. I know, it's long, but... No, but it's beautiful. Like, that's how important Leslie Feinberg was.
0: Representation matters. <clears throat> you know? It changes lives. It saves lives. Yeah. Seeing yourself in... in something that didn't come from you can it can be life-saving
1: especially as an adult especially as an adult when you're a teenager your hormones your emotions are so high teenagers regardless of how like they conform to any sort of expectation still feel like they are misunderstood and that they they're unique enough to be uh outcasts i don't know like, I think that we all kind of harbor yeah. that sort of... When we're 15 years old, we all kind of have elements of that. Yeah. But some of it is more real than others. Part and, of it is, yeah,
0: because we, we like, are still trying to come to terms with ourselves and, like, under, come to understand ourselves. And so yeah. we feel misunderstood, but... But
1: specifically, yeah. if you feel like, this is who I am, this is what I look like, and I don't see any adults who look or sound or... Uh, you know, carry themselves the way that I do. So does that mean there's not a place for me? Right. Shh. That's or,
0: very real. Right. Or carry themselves the way I want to and don't know if I am allowed. Mm-hmm. Like, am I allowed to present myself in such a way? I'm not sure because I don't see anyone else doing it. Right. And that's,
1: that's terrifying. Especially when you feel as if you get you know harassed or um there's the threat of assault constantly in your life just for walking down the street and you start to think maybe there you know literally isn't space for you because you might die right yeah i mean going out the
0: front door is an act of bravery because you are never sure of the outcome
1: yeah in that way yeah Man. But yeah, that was Leslie Feinberg. Wow. I highly recommend reading Stone Butch Blues. It's really not long. Um, and obviously, like, I read it for the first time 10 years ago and haven't read it since. And it, it I there are books I read two years ago and couldn't tell you a, even a little bit what they were about. <laughs> yeah. But Stone Butch Blues... Made an impact. Made a strong impact, even though I don't, you know, identify... Yeah. It just
0: it just goes to show too how just how complicated the the gender issue is mm-hmm. especially right now mm-hmm. because it's so much in like we're talking about it so much. Mm-hmm. People who people who have never lived that life are talking about it in a way that like Leslie had to find communities in order to really come to understand. Mm -hmm. what that meant and what that looked like and then she had to make choices on what was more important yeah and that's something that obviously we're fighting to not to to make better and to make it so that people don't have to do that yeah um but it's a long hard road and I, i mean and intricate it's just so intricate
1: and there's lots of gray area, there's so
0: much gray area, which is
1: why we always should tread forward with respect and um, maybe make assumptions that people are coming from a good place rather than a bad place. When you know they're your ally, if they mm. fumble and make a mistake in those gray areas. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, you and I are we fuck up sometimes. But everything that we've done on this podcast has been from a place of love. Yeah. And I, I really do hope that that is clear. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and when we fuck up, we want to learn also like that's I think uh, the goes unsaid. But, um, you know, we're we're all human and we're all trying to figure it out. I am a
1: feminist in progress. <laughs> Thank you, Jamila Jamil. <laughs>
0: oh man and on that note do you want to give me some on this day I
1: sure do um, there was a lot going on because this uh, episode drops on June 19th fuck yeah um, and I didn't even get into any birthdays of which there are some pretty cool ones I and some really, really shitty ones um, but anyway yeah uh, <laughs> June 19th 1269 King Louis IX of France orders all Jews found in public without an identifying yellow badge to be fined 10 livres of silver. Wow. Cool. Felt appropriate. Cool, 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 cool. Um, June 19th, 1586. English colonists leave Roanoke Island after failing to establish England's first permanent settlement in North America. And I don't think we even know to this day what happened on Roanoke, like why they had to leave. Oh,
0: yeah. And I was going to say, did they leave? Do we know that they left?
1: That's what Wikipedia says.
0: (laughs) Wikipedia! Because I feel like part of the Roanoke
1: legend is that they disappeared. Yeah. Well, maybe like two people escaped. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Never spoke of what happened. (laughs) Uh, But you're right. Uh, June 19th, 1862, the US Congress prohibits slavery in the United States territories, nullifying Dred Scott B. Sanford. Oh, uh, oh. So that's important. June 19th, 1865. Years after the Emancipation Proclamation, slaves in Galveston, Texas, are finally informed of their freedom. (gasps) The anniversary is still officially celebrated in Texas and 41 other contiguous states as Juneteenth.
0: Oh, yeah. So happy
1: Juneteenth.
0: Describe my face right now.
1: I'm like <laughs> your eyes are very wide,
0: <laughs> I, and you're looking
1: all around the room like you're searching your memory. I for well something.
0: because this is mind blowing.
1: Yeah. All right, go America. June 19th, 1934, the Communications Act uh, of 1934 establishes the United States Federal Communications Commission, the FCC. Well, well, well. Well, well. Uh, June 19th, 1964, which I think this is significant that it happened on Juneteenth, uh, is approved after surviving a 83-day filibuster in the U.S. Senate. And the Civil Rights Act of 1964 outlaws discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. It prohibits unequal application of voter registration requirements and racial segregation in schools, employment, and public accommodation. That's
0: why conservatives have to be super sneaky about their voter suppression mm. now.
1: They're really not doing a good job of being sneaky. <laughs> no. um, and then I, but I did want to end on a high random note. June 19th, 1978, Garfield, holder of the Guinness World Record for the world's most widely syndicated comic strip, makes its debut. What? So happy birthday, Garfield. I hope you eat lots of lasagna. <laughs> and at least it's not Monday. <laughs> Damn. Wait,
0: what year was that? that 78. Was 78. Hot... Damn, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: Garfield, you old. What are you excited about, Hannah?
0: I am excited about the launch of my client's book, All of Us with Wings, which will have happened yesterday as of the you know, so the eighteenth is when it comes out. And um if you're in Portland, her book is there. Go pick up a copy. Um, Powell's downtown should have some signed ones still from her launch there. Um, and then she's going to be in New York on the 27th, I think, um, for her event. And she's marching in, in pride, in New York pride. Uh And what's her name? (laughs) Her name is Michelle Ruiz Kyle. Thank you for reminding me. I've talked about her before, so I never think to mention her, uh, I never think to, like, say all the details. Name. Say all the details. But, yeah, her book is launching. And the book is... <sighs> it's so beautiful. It's just, like... It's this girl l- lost in San Francisco. And she becomes a governess to a family. This, like, polyamorous, queer, rock star family. Um, and their daughter. And she... Finds starts to find herself, but also has to come to terms with some past trauma, especially when she accidentally um, summons a pair of mystical, uh, vengeful creatures—beasts, beasts—and um, I don't know. Yeah, what voice was is perfect. It was beautiful, and the prose is beautiful. And I'm just very proud of this book. So I'm just yay! I I'm can't very wait excited. to read it. I know I have it. You did? Did I give you a copy? You okay. sure did. Good, good. Yeah. 'Cause it's just beautiful. It's in my stack next to my bed. It's really lovely. I have so many books. This one's worth your time. Okie dokie. Just gonna say. All right. So that's what I'm excited about. Yay! 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 Well Yay. thanks. Yeah, man. Woo! Woohoo! We did it. We did it. Well, if you love this podcast, I just wanna I just wanna say, please, um, feel free to go leave us a review. We we could use a few more Kind kindly reviews and reach out to us on social media and also send us emails because we like your emails. God, I love the emails. Yeah, they're great. And um, otherwise,
1: peace out, witches. Happy Pride! Happy Pride!
0: Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you
1: so much for listening. We really appreciate it.
0: Good Witches, Bad Bitches is hosted by Deanna Greif. Me. You. And you. (laughs) Hannah
1: Ferguson and we're produced by Benjamin Garst
0: um, you can find us on iTunes Stitcher Spotify Google Play
1: Google Play pretty much more. anywhere you listen to your podcasts you can find us there we're also on social media you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook GWBB Podcast you can also email us at gwbbpodcast@gmail.com. at we love to receive emails if you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to hear on air uh, shoot it over to us we would love to read it. If you want to help keep us running, you can find us on
0: Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast.
1: <laughs> Become a patron and help us you know pay for our hosting yeah patreon really helps content creators be able to continue to create their content and it just kind of helps us break even on the costs of producing this podcast and it would be really awesome if you wanted to help out if you like it you can be a part of it also to help us out you can rate
0: review and subscribe all the all of those things are extremely helpful for us they help other listeners find us Yeah, word of mouth, also good. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Our website is gwbbpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there, as well as some other things bubbling out of our witchy cauldron. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is powered by Moon Moon Bounce. Bounce.